Hi guys, this is Monika from Designing Culture, and I know I've been inconsistent with my podcast because I've been busy doing nothing. Well, some things. Things other than this. But um, I am back with a new episode, and um, I just want to know, have you ever lost anything that was near and dear to your heart? Um, before I go into any more detail, I'm just going to tell you about the episode and go from there. So I met with a friend a few months ago. Her name is Maria Segura, and she's an editor slash writer. And uh, we went to Harlem, and we met at a restaurant called Chocolat. The food was great. And I believe that I was such a effing professional I was on time. I had my laptop bag that my daughters bought me for Christmas. I wore sensible shoes and um, because I love to explore the city. So I don't stay in one place for a long time when I'm in New York. You know, I was early and I, I sat there and I waited for her to get, to, you know, to the restaurant. So and I also another feat for me is that I didn't get lost in the subway. So this is my first time um, taking going to this particular place and you know, made it there on time without getting lost. Excellent. Um, so when, um, when I got to the restaurant, my back was to her. And so we're just like texting and I'm telling her where I'm sitting and she's like, okay, I'm coming in. And so when I turn around, she's looking around for me and then she sees me and she starts crying when I walk over to her and I'm like, oh my God, because it has been over two years since we saw each other, you know, of course, because of the pandemic. So we were, we were kind of emotional. So while we were at the restaurant, we ate, we took pictures. We really couldn't do the interview there because it was loud. It was live. We had some music going on. We were talking to people and our waiter was cute. So I was kind of flirting with him too. Um, so, so after we were done eating, um, we walked outside and I had my laptop on my shoulder, had my questions in one hand and the phone in the other hand to record the interview. And so we trekked our way through Harlem, talking, listening to the sounds, enjoying the different smells. And we ran into a few people and a couple of cute dogs as well. Um, also passed right by the Apollo. So I had to take a picture there. Um, been there several times, but you know, still enjoy going to see the Apollo and taking pictures. The, the interview went great. Um, I got a lot of uh, great footage. So when it was over, I took the subway back to Penn Station and then went down to my platform. And um, uh, on my way there, I saw a wonderful act of kindness. A man had a whole uh, pizza and he offered a homeless man um, some pizza. So that was really nice for me for me to see. Once I made it to the platform, I was like 45 minutes early and no one was there, maybe a few people, if that. So I didn't want to waste any time just sitting there. So I walked back to the streets of Manhattan and ended up at Weed World. So once I left Weed World, I went back to the platform and of course a thousand people are there, but I wasn't panicked or worried. I smiled because it was just like the good old days of, you know, two years ago before the pandemic when people were out and about. So I was on time for the train and I even got a seat, um, which is really hard at nighttime, especially on the weekend because you know, everybody is trying to rush in on the train at one time. So, um, you know, I got my seat and I sat down and, you know, there's always some entertainment in New York. There's never not any entertainment. Okay. No matter where you're at. So I'm sitting on the train and all of a sudden this guy is walking up down the aisles and he's asking people for money, you know, cause he has to buy a ticket to make it home. And I think we all know what he wanted the money for. And you know, that's fine. That's his business. And he was able to get a couple dollars. Um, and also while I was on the train, you know, I was feeling so confident at how well the interview went that I booked another interview, um, while I was on the train. So that was, you know, an ego booster. And I also started writing about how great the interview went. Like that's how good it was. I felt so good about the interview. I was like overly prepared. I loved it. 
So when I got home, I started saving each piece of the interview because we stopped and, you know, crossed the street or we stopped and, you know, did something. So, so I had like maybe four or five different sections of, of the interview. So I started saving the interviews. And then when I looked, something happened. I'll let you know right after the podcast. Okay. You're making too much noise. I'm trying to record. chicken was wonderful macaroni and cheese was delicious <laughs> oh, and the greens were great so now we're walking it off and uh thank you so much for being on the designing culture podcast i appreciate it no problem thank you for inviting me oh you are welcome you are welcome so we want to go back to the early days of maria i call her sugar <laughs> i as soon as i saw her name Years ago, I said, oh, that's sugar. She's like, it is not sugar. Oh, my God. I forgot uh, about that. <laughs> so how do you pronounce your last name? Let's ask, Let's tell the audience how you pronounce your last name. Maria Segura. Segura with a G. Yes. It's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. All right. So, Maria, where are you from? I am born and bred in Brooklyn Nights. In Brooklyn. Oh, that's my favorite borough. Uh-huh. That is my favorite borough. And what is your favorite borough? I'm... Well, I guess I'm supposed to say Brooklyn, but um, I live in Queens currently, and my favorite borough, uh, you know, I gotta be honest, Harlem, Harlem, Manhattan. <laughs> Sounds like you're New having York. a very New York. Manhattan New is York, your favorite. New York is my favorite. Okay, wonderful. Wonderful. All right, so tell me a little bit about your childhood neighborhood. Like, what type of things did you guys do and what type of games did you play um like red light green light (laughs) yes i i we are i am a little bit older now i'm following you because i don't know where i'm going oh okay um being born and bred brooklyn night in the 70s games we played lots of board games lots of sorry lots of trouble Lots of Monopoly, lots of Uno, right. the fights included. They had Uno back then? Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Ooh. Those were my early days. Um, <laughs> yes, Uno cards were Uno. invented. <laughs> we played Uno as children. We fought with the, uh, you know, draw fours oh, yes. and the yes. draw twos and the wild cards. Absolutely. Yes. They actually had color in the 70s. Um, that is always very dangerous, the, those twos and fours. Break up a whole family. They they cause more <laughs> fights than spades. They cause more fights than dominoes. Yes, they do. Um, outdoor stuff. I mean, we were outdoor kids. We didn't right. have video games yet. Mm-hmm. And, God, it sounds so bad, right? We didn't have video games. Because we, we appreciated it. Yeah, we, we played with each other. We made mud pies. Well, we, you might want to correct your statement, but go ahead. I understand. We, we played together <laughs> yes. as children until the street lights came on. We right. had curfews. We we did not have cell phones. Yeah, we we played red light, green light. We played Simon Says. We played on the toys, quote unquote. I grew up in Hood. Grew up in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. Okay. And so, before crack came along, unfortunately, oh, uh, we. We, we played. We played outside of our buildings. We played in each other's houses. Um, right. We had best families, not just best friends, but best families that we mm. spent all our time with. That's awesome. It, it was a different time. It, but I appreciate now. I, I feel like I live wholly in whatever decade or whatever time period I am in. I don't get stuck, so I'm not stuck in any particular decade. Right. I appreciate the technology and all the conveniences of the 21st century. Um, And then just in school in general, my first best friend outside of the house was my girl, 
Litris. Litris? Yeah, we did everything together. She was the first place that I spent the night at. Oh, wow. She was the first big That's exciting. kid birthday party <laughs> I went to. Yeah, and her, uh, our moms uh, became best friends because I decided I wanted to cross the street at six years old to go home. Right. And her mother was independent even idea. back then. I'm independent <laughs> Even back then. And um, so I wanted to cross the street by myself. Her mom caught me, decided to cross me across the street. And right. Took me home, and our, my, our mothers met, and they were friends till my mom passed away in 2009. So oh, they, sorry about that. That was a long, good relationship. But right. Yeah. It that was a close. Awesome. So do you that still cool. um, do you still speak with her? Um, yeah, via social. I ha- we don't. I haven't seen her in a long time. Right. But yeah, via social. So, do you remember your first best friend? My first best friend. My first best friend was Kareem, and he actually lived across the street from us. Um, our families were best families as well. As a matter of fact, our fathers were so cool that they left our mothers within two weeks of each other. Coincidence? Mm, I think not. I feel like they were planning this for a while. You know, these aren't jokes. These are thoughts. These are things that make you say... Um, okay, we just want to make sure we don't get hit. Yeah, we're crossing the street. We, we pause for, for fear of death. <laughs> All right, and um, so uh, let's see. What was the name of your elementary school? PS67K. <laughs> it had its own song. It was the first black elementary school in New York. Really? So it has its own song. If you make me sing it, I will cry. Please. Oh, yes. I will say we want to hear it. I will say the words I will not say. <laughs> okay. I, I've been nursing a cold all week. It's 67 old black school got the beat was the first line. So mm-hmm. you, you can kind of sense where it was going Right. But, um, yeah, we, we, we had assembly. It took almost a half an hour to start the assembly because we sang... School song. Mm-hmm. We sang Hava Nagila, which is a Jewish song. I remember singing that in school. We sang yes. uh, the Ha Ba Nagila Ha. I know all ba, the words. Nagila Ha Ba Nagila Ha. Do you know the words? Hava Nevanena, Hava Nevanena, Hava Nevanena, A Mishkanka. Yeah. Okay. It's great. Yeah. We had. Um, this, his uh, was it the Puerto Rican national anthem? Mm-hmm. We had the Black national anthem. Oh my goodness! And we had our school song. So it took like 20 minutes, 25 minutes to just start our assemblies in school. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but that seems like so much fun. Like it seems like a lot of culture. We a lot of different cultures. Fort Green, the old Fort Green, which was more fort than green, mm-hmm. um, was a very vibrant. Very black, intrinsic area. We really like reveled in the fact that we were a black community, mm-hmm. um, and it was we loved it. We we were happy. It was, right until crack. You, you didn't know any better. No, and we didn't have to because right. it was a great neighborhood and people care. You know, they they say all this stuff about the old days, and it's a lot of it is true. Like people really cared about each other. Mm-hmm and paid attention to each other and their kids. I mean, you couldn't do anything without somebody telling your mother. Right. There was stuff that I did, and I, I'm like, how did she? I didn't even see any of her friends. <laughs> and by the time I got home, she knew about it. And I'm like, right. <laughs> there was no cell phones. There was no pagers. There was no right. social media. I wasn't posting pictures. But she would know. Right. And I would get in trouble just as well as if she saw me do it myself. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good spirit. It kept you safe, and it, it was a good, a good part, a good experience to grow up in that environment. Excellent. Um, all right. So, what high school did you go to? I went to Fiorello LaGuardia High School oh. of Music and the Arts. Was that next to the airport or near the airport? What? What? LaGuardia Airport? No. no okay. It has to do with the airport it has everything to do with the, the governor. <laughs> the one-time governor of New York, um, Fiorella LaGuardia. Oh, okay. Never heard of him. <laughs> but I'm not from New York, so. 
a travesty. <laughs> and did you have a favorite teacher um, throughout your first and twelfth grade? Uh, Miss Aaron and Mr. Silver. Miss Aaron and Mr. Silver. Third and fourth grade. Yeah. What kind of impact did they have on you? Why did why were they your favorites? And Mr. Doswell, who was the chorus teacher. Um, they just cared, you know. Oh. Black kids in the in, in the hood. Um, the teachers showing you that kind of love, getting involved with, you know, taking you on camping trips and getting involved with your education, talking to your parents about what you're doing, that that type of caring, you don't forget that level of caring as you grow, get you know, get older. Mm. You miss it because you know the work world does not always have that same level of caring, and True. outside of life, <laughs> it doesn't always have the same level of caring. So you, you definitely miss it, but when you're a kid and people show that kind of attention to you, it's a beautiful thing. Right. Awesome. I miss the Doswell because, well, my mom had a crush on him, but he was also the chorus teacher. In <laughs> fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, he was a, a great choral teacher, and that's where I you know, fell in love with the whole music. Let's go back to your home life. Did you have any siblings? Yes. I have two brothers. I have uh, had a sister who is unfortunately no longer here. Uh, she came, she's a baby, she came a lot later. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was 26 when she passed and I was 47, so I was a little bit older than her. Right. And I have two brothers, one just turned 41 and one is 49. Okay. That sounds like a Right. <laughs> when, you're, when you're dropping all those numbers, yeah, it's like, woo, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so who who was the one that got in the most trouble and who was the most behaved out of all of your siblings <laughs> coming up? Your questions <laughs> make me laugh. Um, who was the I, I I was the loudest. Mm-hmm. I'll say it like that. So no I could never really get into trouble because nobody saw me coming. Oh, okay. My middle brother Sean uh, Jonathan is uh Oh the Apollo Theater. Yes. We, we gotta go. Oh no, we're walking over there. Oh, okay. Sorry, see, I take these things for granted because, you know, it's quite a feat getting a New, a New Jersey person to come to New York City. <laughs> um, Sean is like me, loud. We are both the, the party people of the family. Mm-hmm. So we're both loud. We both take up a lot of a lot of room in, a, in us. It's not a space in a room. Right. Uh, Jonathan is the middle child, and he's the quintessential middle child, so he's quiet. But he's also very, he was very sneaky as a kid. Right. So, <laughs> I, I can understand sneaky. I won't dispel all of his, uh, reveal all his traumas. Right, no, you don't him. need to. We don't need details. But he, he was the sneaky one, we'll put it that way. <laughs> and my sister was the, the brilliant one. She was the brilliant one? Yeah, she was, uh, just a few months from her doctorate when she passed. Oh. So. Yeah. And we will certainly, hopefully, talk about that a little later. Yes, ma'am. Um, so, what kind of discipline did you receive at home? <laughs> was it like, you know, abuse where they would go to jail in these days? Or was it like a good talking to? <laughs> you know, or can you not say? As the years went on, it went from corporal to um, chit chat and punishment. Okay, you know, so I mean, there was levels as you got older. The the punishments always fit the crime. Oh, that's good. Oh, you said that really slow. It's a, they don't know all the crimes, but the ones they found out about. The, the, the crimes that were they were made aware of. Because my father is still on this planet, and we'll probably listen to this without a question. So yeah, they they yeah the crimes the, the punishments fit the crimes. Okay, no that's question. Good. That's good. And so, looking back on, um, I guess, the behaviors of your, your parents back in the day, how would you, we talked about it a little earlier, mm-hmm. and you said that you, you did appreciate, or they did do their parental duties, you know, bringing you up. So, just talk a little bit about that. How was their, talk a little bit about how your parents raised you. Let's make um, it simple. It's, it's pretty easy. They were great parents. And they were young. My dad was 19 when I was born. My mom was 22. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on, let's cross it. <laughs> right, yes. And I'm sorry, you guys, that you're missing these smells because I'm smelling curry right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. But we just ate. Yeah. But the yeah. New York City, how It ain't going down. But uh. um, 
They were great parents. They really were slash are great parents. Um, my mom was a little bit more strict than my dad, mm-hmm. but I guess because she was the custodial parent, you know, you live with the parent, she's got to do the day-to-day, right. clean your room, clean the kitchen, clean the, you know, do your laundry, right. change your this, this, do that. So she had to be more strict, mm-hmm. um, but my dad was strict with other things, like with homework and with schoolwork and just, you know, things on the outside that we, I, I hated taking him to, <laughs> I hated taking him to um, parent-teacher because he was always the one who was like, oh, but you missed this homework, or... <laughs> like, he would get on, he wouldn't forget it after right. he left the meeting, it he was, would get on it. I'm like, I, I'm getting an 85 in science, Dad. Oh, but you, you missed these two homeworks. <laughs> you can't miss homework, that's important. Okay, okay. So, he was stricter when it came to the educational aspect. Right. Um, but they co-parented us very well. They didn't, we never lived together as a unit, but it didn't seem to matter. We, we all function as one big family. Um, we never, never felt that loss. Like I know a lot of people, like when the parent moves out or if the, the dad is not there, they feel that kind of loss. I don't feel that. Right. Um, I don't remember meeting my dad. It wasn't anything like that. I've known my dad my whole life. Um, We've we've always worked together as a unit. We're right. gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> I know she's waiting for us to crawl. Like bitches. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> thanks for not running us. Yeah, running thanks us for not killing us in the Manhattan Street. <laughs> um, but that's awesome that um, they're able to co-parent. A lot of folks, you know, miss out because you know they don't have a two-parent house. Yeah. But it can be done. It can be done, and they did a great job. And it's. I, you know, sadly, I think that's why I didn't have kids because I was like, if I can't do that with another human being, right. then I don't want to be a parent. I want the parenting that I receive, and it, it was great. Right. My dad is my best friend. My mom was one of my best friends when she was here. I, I'd rather go on a road trip with my father than anybody else on the planet. Mm-hmm. No question. Like, cool. <laughs> he, he is like my cheerleader, my 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 friend, my confidant. He's one of the best people in my life. So. Oh wow! I'd like to meet Dad. All these positive <laughs> things they say about him—that's awesome. up all the time. That is awesome. You're okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, where did you receive your bachelor's from? Um, I have two. Mm-hmm. The first one I got at SUNY Purchase, which is now called Purchase College, which is upstate Purchase, New York. And um. We are in front of uh, the Apollo Theater, by the way. Yes, and we're about to take a picture, so. (laughs) (laughs) My second place was Lehman College. I'm all New York State educated. No, Mm -hmm. no, I lie, because I did my master's at uh, Southern New Hampshire University, and that was all online. Online. What did you major then for your master's? Creative writing and English, which I loved. Yes, so we're going to get into it a little more after I take this picture, (laughs) y'all. Okay, so yes, we're getting into your education. Sorry, there's a puppy in GameStop. Oh, yeah, it doesn't want to leave. It's a chihuahua, I bet. I'm going to ask. He doesn't want to leave. Oh, there's a lot of... Is that a chihuahua? No. He's a a chipu. A chipu. I've never heard of a chipu. Oh, okay. He's cute. <laughs> you look angry though. You look like, ah! <laughs> oh no, thank you. I'm allergic to a lot of those smells and their prices. Uh oh. This is us just walking through Harlem. I'm loving it. He's getting the full With the smells and the music and the people. Yeah, sorry you guys can't smell. That was a nice mango smell we passed by. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the thick of things. Maria. Yes. Maria is a writer and she is an editor. And um, actually, I was working on my second book. It's kind of on pause right now, but she did edit the first part of it and she did a really good job. So, what made you become a writer slash editor? I don't know what you want to use first or which one is more prominent. Um, 
I think all writers are editors in their own right. right. Um, I do it professionally. I've done it professionally. Uh, my brand new spanking masters helps me do it more, or mm-hmm. taught me more, of course. Updated right. skills. You always want to keep your skills fresh for a 21st century world. Um, what encouraged me to become a writer, it, it sounds kind of silly, but they had a contest when I was in school mm-hmm. for um, a poetry contest. Right. To write a poem about Manhattan. What age is this? I, like I was approximately. 11. Okay. And my mother sat with me as I wrote a poem about Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And it won a prize. Oh, wow. And I was hooked. Right. It was like, this is like, what I want to do for I'm the rest of my something. life. Yeah. I, I, I knew right away. I mean, that, for a lot of people, that doesn't happen. But for mm-hmm. me, ever since then, I... I knew that's what I wanted to do, and I knew that's what I want to perfect, and I've spent most of my life just doing that. Okay. Um, I want to take a little break from, you know, the hardcore questions <laughs> and talk about your hair journey, because I'm going ah, through one myself. Ah, my hair journey. Your hair journey, yes. And I, I thought that was important because when I was, when I decided to lock my hair, mm-hmm. um, there were so many things online. There were so many people talking about the hair. This is where I first heard about the hair journey. Uh-huh. You know, as far as you know, locking your hair. Yeah. So how long you have your hair locked? Yes. Right. And this is considered dreads. These or, are locks. These are just locks. Okay. Yeah. Because dreads indicate a whole religious lifestyle. Okay. Um, they're a lot fatter than what I have. Right. Although I kind of wear mine messy and messy on purpose because I love them. Um, but I love it. It's not oh, like wild KFC. messy. No, it's just, it's controlled chaos. Exactly. Um, I actually found a spot that we can sit. We're passing by the Adam Clayton Powell um, Center Hello. here. Oh, wow. Right yeah. on 125th Street, which everybody who's been in Harlem knows about. Former President Clinton has a, had or has an office here. Um, so it's, it's a big deal. And it's also a good place to sit and harass people and Right, and be harassed. And yeah, I can be harassed. And during the summer, they have um, they had their concerts and stuff right here. Okay. I saw Dougie Fresh here. I saw GQ here. So, we so are yes. In the heart of Harlem. <laughs> yes, we are, and we're crossing the street. We're safe. The lights green. Give us a second. We're gonna pause so that we can get settled. <laughs> Back to our regular scheduled program. Okay, so we were going on your hair journey. Um, so, um, how long have you had your hair locked? It'll be four years on April 6th. Four years, April 6th. And what made you do it? Like, because you had a lot of different things. Tell us the difference, some of the things that you've done to your hair. Let's <laughs> hear way back to the beads. As a child of the 70s, I had my grandmother cornrowing my hair every day. I can still feel her hands hitting my head as she cornrows every day, every morning. <laughs> a lot of pain and an early rising. Oh. Um, so she did that until I was like seven or eight when she passed. And then my mom took control of my hair. And that wasn't a great journey. Luckily, I took control of it not too soon after. Right. I had cherry curls. So let's rewind back to the 80s where the jerry curl was born. It was a permanent wave hairstyle that was popular among African-Americans. Everyone had a jerry curl. Girls, boys, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, basically everyone at the family reunion. And anyone over 40 either knows someone that has had a jerry curl or has had one themselves. So this style was a wavy, glossy, loosely curled look named after its creator, Jerry Redding, who to my surprise was a white man. Now I'm not surprised that he created this product. I'm just surprised at the name. When I saw the name Jerry, I pictured a black woman with a Jerry curl, and that's as far as my imagination went. And to think, I'm a writer. But Jerry has done a lot for hair care. 
He was the first to make pH balanced shampoos. He was the first to put vitamins in hair care products. And he developed the first version of the conditioner in the 1930s. Thanks, Sherry. I've had a couple of weaves. I did the braids, a lot of braids, a mm -hmm. lot of braids. Um, then I had my whole free form, which I think is when you met me when I had my free form uh, right. afro. You miss perms. Have you had per like oh. regular perms? To See, I try to block that out of my soul. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about the perms. You don't even have a perm anymore. No, no. Right now it's been two years. That's a long time. Yeah, it's been two um, years. I don't even remember when we were talking in the restaurant. I don't even remember when the last time I had a perm. Oh, okay. <clears throat> um, yeah, I went through that stage as everyone has. Mm -hmm. And I liked it. It was nice to have straight hair. And I, the 80s, I made a big bouffant hair. I could send you a picture from mm -hmm. teenage years. <laughs> I'll um, post that when I post the interview. Oh, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> postable. No, that's a pretty picture. It was from graduation, so. Um, then when I left high school, I cut it all off and just kind of went regular. I still right. was permanent for a long while after that. Decided to do the locks because one of my guy friends was up my butt about, oh, you know, you look a little older with the form, with the free form afro. And I'm highly susceptible to people telling me things. Right. So April 6th of 2018, mm -hmm. I sat and I had incense burning. And I had been watching YouTube videos for a long, for maybe like two, three months before that. Right. My sister had locks at that time, so I was harassing her. My dad's friend had locks, so I was harassing her. And I was just like, you know what? I can do this. Right. So I got the gel, and I got the comb, and I went put to on, work. Yep, incense, <laughs> whatever else. I was surprised, and this is something that they never talk about. I was amazingly surprised by the shrinkage. Right, yes, that's what I keep hearing about the shrinkage. The shrinkage, shrinkage is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Because you're like, oh, I have this big afro, and I really oh. had it long. When I would straighten it out, it would hit my shoulder, just right. about a little bit above my shoulder. Oh, this is great. The shrinkage when you lock your hair for the first time is amazingly right. horrifying. <laughs> you, you think you have hair, you do not have hair. <laughs> If I took my hair out now, it would be probably down way past the middle then, of my back. It almost yeah, is now. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. But it would be long. way past. Um, right. But I lock it myself. I wash it myself. I never did the whole don't wash your hair for six months thing. I washed it two weeks after. Right. I've colored it. It's red with a white streak now. But it's been black. It's been blue. It's been blonde. It's going to be blonde again after Comic-Con. Um, but yeah, it, it, I love it. It's the I highly recommend that you do it soon. I waited until I was forty something, forty six, forty four. Oh my, that's the age I am. That's yeah, that's usually. I, yeah, I wanted to because you know just going through all those stages is like you just want something that's natural yeah. and that's yours and that will grow. And yeah. so I'm trying. And you're right <laughs> that's about yours. Is the right, big thing. <laughs> that is yours. Now. All the ladies in the place, if you got real hair. We we met each other at work and we stayed in touch, um, especially during the um, pandemic. Yes. And so um, I remember one of your texts, I was looking through our texts and everything for research, and one of your texts said... The ones I, that we can talk about. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so one of your texts said, I can't believe it's been six months, you know, since the pandemic and since we've been working from home. So can you now believe that it's been two years <laughs> and we're now just getting ready to go back to work in a few months? Can you believe this has been going on for two years? No. I literally, like, she probably is kind and she won't mention it, but I saw her and I started to, like, boo-hoo. Oh, yes, I she cried. I was like, don't you cry. Because <laughs> I hadn't seen her or, like, anybody from work for two years. Like, in person, I've seen people on Zoom and all of our Zoom meetings and Gchat meetings and all that stuff, but, like, one of my girls and it's like we used to talk and see each other every day yes oh she's crying now stop it we're here together now maria I we're know. here together. I'm, I'm a highly emotional soul these days. i blame the pandemic right or life we can put it right we can put we can blame a lot on the pandemic but yeah <laughs> 
outside of the pandemic, you and I have also talked about men, babies. You know, we've been sending each other <laughs> not pictures. Babies, not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just everything. Our family life, <laughs> right? And so, um, but we also talked about our creative highs and lows. And a lot of time, we talked about how lax we were with our, um, you know, our writing creativity during the pandemic and how it also you know it stole our mojo um so have your creative juices returned and are they different are they better how do you feel now that we're coming out of the pandemic um they've improved i have never experienced a time when i didn't write Mm -hmm. or when i didn't feel like i wanted to do creative things and in fact when this all started i was literally starting my business, my editing business. So it was just like this and finishing a, uh, continuing to work on a, uh, a novel. And it, it, it stopped everything. Mm-hmm. And I, one of the things we're gonna talk about it, some, one of the projects I'm doing is based on how so many creative people stopped how this paused our lives and made us focus on things that we didn't think we would ever have to focus on. Nobody ever anticipated a, a, a worldwide event like this. Right. So it, it stopped me. It, I'm improved in that I, I care more about my creative process, other people's creativity. Um, I care more in, about people in general, if that's possible. Oh, you're such a caring person. I'm a sappy, sap, sap. (laughs) (laughs) And unfortunately, um, when we go back to work, you're in in the New York building, and I'm in New Jersey building, so there's no more desk. um, Oh, I'm going to come in around There's no more desk conversations that we used to have. Oh, they were so good. (laughs) They were so good and juicy. Like, what did you do this weekend? What did you do this weekend? Or just, you know, random stuff. I think we actually did crazy stuff so we could have something to talk about. (laughs) Right. I can't wait to tell Maria on Monday. Exactly. I can't wait to tell because she's not going to believe this happened, girl. <laughs> yes, we used to have some great, great conversations. Um, so I can appreciate our humor because our humor is funny and it's creative and it's also dark sometimes. Um, weird, yeah. So you mentioned a little bit about recognizing your talents when you got older. So did you like deny your talents when you were younger or are you just getting that, you know, the creative bug stronger as, as you've gotten older? Mm, I don't think that it's, I ever denied it. I've always been a creative person. I mean, I went to music and art. I was a vocal major. I was writing throughout that whole time period. I've always gravitated towards um, being in a creative space. My family is creative. My mother uh, was a, among her talents, was a dancer, was an art, a visual artist. Uh, she modeled for a while. Um, she started singing later in life, but I think it was more just like a passion thing than mm-hmm. anything else. Right. My brothers are both creatives. They, they write, they mm-hmm. draw. My nephew is, is uh, in New York College now studying to be a visual artist. So. And most of my friends have some creative level to them. So right. I, I just, I've always gravitated, gravitated towards that space. So right. it's, yeah. it's never been a denial. If anything, it's because I had to eat, so I had to work. <laughs> oh, right, yes, absolutely. But we don't I want even, to see you on the street corner, like, you know, doing a two-step, holding <laughs> a sign. We'll, you know. <laughs> but even we'll then, I've, I've always found the creative people in every job. Right. So I, I, I'm never far away from creativity that's that's always my that's that's my heart there's no that's me there's nothing else it's not I'm not me without that which is why for the past couple years it was so weird to be not writing and not producing and Mm -hmm. not doing creative things right um, so I want to talk a little bit about your editorial style. <laughs> um, so are you a, re- a reserved editor no. or do you like slash and burn entire chapters and, and stuff? You already know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she I tell, cried. She can, she can tell you the tears as I put on my on paper. Oh, you need to do the, it's like a two or three page letter. So here are the things that you need to fix. It's just a chapter that she gave me. Um, I'm very strict when it comes to editing. I am 
well trained with the English language. So I am a stickler. Even if you're breaking the rules, there's a way that you should break the rules when mm. it comes to writing. Okay. And I think it's important to know the rules before you break them and to appreciate and to um, acknowledge that there are ways to write, that there are ways to use the English language, which is probably the most difficult language in, in we're getting some background of some people fighting. Yes, this lady, she, <laughs> she, is, she is tripping. Welcome to Harlem, 125th. No, my editorials, my, edit, my editing style, I think, has softened a little bit over mm. the years. I think it's important to know the, the author that you're working with and know right. what their style is. The goal in editing is not to make them be like you. Not to make, and that's what's hard when you're a writer and an editor. Mm-hmm. You really have to change your hats because you have to remember that this is, you know, like when I'm reading your work, this is your work. This is Monica's work. This is not Monica's work that changed into Maria's work. Right. We have different writing styles. So there's important to know your author, to know what they want to do, and know how they want to express. And then I just kind of, I think I'm a little better now. I finesse. I still want to give you the straight up, but I'm I'm more finesse and more nuanced. And, you know, this is great. How about taking it a step further? What are you missing? It's kind of like you want to be a child, you want to be a a parent to the the child, the the writing is a child. So you want to be a parent to that writing you want to right so you don't want to do it for them you're kind of like well let's look at this direction or kind of nudge them in in a in a certain direction I ask a lot of I think I ask a lot and you can tell me I I think I ask a lot more questions and what is it that you want what is it that you yes yes when you gave me my was was my questionnaire or my my uh report card after you yes my report card after you read the uh first part of my book and so yes you gave me great things to work with um, and to and to change, I don't know if I ever changed it. <laughs> we, we'll see. You know, the pandemic happened. You know, uh-huh. you know, we're, gotta we're, blame it on the pandemic. Uh-huh. We're gonna get back I, into that. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, at what point during the writing process should a writer reach out to an editor? Like the, from beginning, the very beginning. Oh, I think from the very beginning. Okay. Because sometimes when you have a full book already written. It's too late to mm-hmm. go back and in your mind that the author has already pulled through that character, the characters through whatever they've gone through. You've already finished that in your mind. Right. I think it's important if you are lucky enough to find somebody that can edit your work, mm-hmm. I feel it's important to have somebody from the very beginning looking at your character analysis or looking at the beginning sketches even reading your like if you do like a full you know plan for your story right um reading that because it will help the process and there are lots of different types of editors out there there's line editors there's all kinds of i can give you a whole list of them right but you want a holistic if you want a good novel or a good story, you want a holistic approach. And you can't get that holistic approach by giving somebody, here's my book, boom, finish. Right, you already finished. Read this, tell me what you think. It's already done. You, in your mind, you're like, I'm done. Right, there's nothing you can say that will make me want to change right. what I've already written. Because when you start pulling one thread, you're going to pull, right. it's going to fall apart, and then now You'll those have characters nothing. have to change from beginning to end. Right. So you want someone that's going to walk you through the character analysis and walk you through the development. I mean, that costs money, costs time, but it, it's worth it because you're going to come out with a better product and you're going to you're gonna be happy. As long as you're comfortable with that editor, you're going to be happy with the results. Right. So, you know, you sent me a couple of poems. Oh, yes. Right? You sent me a couple poems, and we both sent each other things back and forth throughout the pandemic. Yes. So, I have a couple with me that okay. I printed out. Okay. Would you like to read them for us? Yes. Or one, or You're two, You're making whatever? my life easier because I thought I was going to have to go through my phone. <laughs> Let's see what you do. So, the best one here. Yes. You read whatever you want. Ooh. I don't. See, <laughs> knowing Monique's style... 
I already know which one she wants me to read. And she handed it to me in such a way that's like, I don't want to. And, and they're dated on the back if you want to see what date you actually oh wrote them. Oh my Jesus. I don't even remember some of these. Let's see. Okay, 2020. Oh, they're all 2020. Oh, no, it's 2019. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I can, I can read one before the world ended. Right. <laughs> right. Hi. How are you? <laughs> we're, we're talking to the local people. Um, and forgive me, guys. I sound a little nasal, because I am. Uh, Does this have a title? Because I don't... No. I, I don't... Okay. Not, I don't Only one of them title things. <laughs> Your hands in my hair, pulling me into you, forgetting that we're in the middle of everything and everyone. What kind of feelings can block out the world, make the sun shine so bright that we think we can hide in its light? And it does not matter what we do. It seems that we're stumbled onto what existed long before technology, perhaps astronomy developed a new star, a parallel reality where we reside, only us two. It doesn't seem to matter. I don't think that we even care. I love the part that says, long before technology, perhaps before astronomy. That was like you knew each other like before the world, you know? Before the universe. I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love that. So everyone, I hope you enjoyed what you heard of the podcast. Right now I am sitting in Warrenaco Park in Roselle, New Jersey, enjoying the sights and this last little bit of good weather we have before it really starts getting cold. But, you know, I love the fall, so I enjoy being out here in the weather. So if you've heard the podcast, you're probably wondering what happened. So, this is the full story. I had a wonderful time hanging out with Maria, interviewing Maria, you know, and just being a part of the Harlem culture for a day. After I took the train home, I was too excited to wait for the next day. So, as soon as I came home, I started saving my interview. You know, putting the name on it, you know, this Maria's interview, March 19th, you know, 2022. So when I looked, I had four parts instead of five parts. And I'm thinking, I know I had five parts. What happened? What happened? So I'm looking through my, you know, my interviews and I'm trying to figure out what's going on, what's going on. And so after the whole long process of looking for the the missing part and actually dumping everything that I deleted in my phone because I thought I deleted it by accident, you know, because like I said, I went to WeBro. So <laughs> I downloaded an app to show me how to recover my deleted files. So I did that and I got a whole bunch of things that, you know, I deleted from the past except for that. Um, I then went to the app that I normally use for Tape a Talk Pro, and I read about it. And it said, you cannot save two files with the same name or else you will lose a file. And oh my goodness, that is what happened. Because I was just going to say, you know, Maria won, Maria won, Maria won, because I have a whole bunch of recordings on my phone. And I was devastated. Even after reading that, I continued to look through my, you know, deleted files. I was up. I was devastated. I couldn't even cry. It's like I wanted to cry, but I couldn't cry. And um, that was very, 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 very heartbreaking. Trust me. So I stayed up until about 5 in the morning. And um, then I, I went to sleep because I was exhausted, not for the amount of time that I stayed up, but just from the whole, I can't believe it's gone. And it was so, so, so good. We talked about 
Women's International Month. We talked about being, you know, in the middle of the where the Harlem Renaissance was. We talked about our weekly meetings because we meet virtually every week and we talk about writing and things like that. That's something that Maria created. And, you know, there was just so many other things. And you, I could never get that back. I could never get that back. I have the same questions, but the answers will be the same. The time period has changed. We're now in the fall. This was back in the spring. And um, and so, you know, really quick I said to myself, you know, okay, I'm going to do it again, and it's going to be better. And I knew immediately after those words came out of my mouth that it's not going to be better. It's going to be I have to make it as good as it was because it was great to me. It really, really was. And um, so because Maria and I are so, so, so very busy, we have yet to record the second half of the of the podcast. Now, I did have to tell her I waited a couple days or so to tell her what happened because, you know, if I knew if it was heartbreaking for me, it was just going to be it was going to be just as heartbreaking for her. So um, when we sit down and finish the podcast, I will certainly bring it to you sooner than I did the first one. <laughs> um, but I was going to wait to bring it to you until we got the second one done. But I'm not going to do that. You know, why not? just throw it out there and do two parts. Um, but yeah, so I'm sure, you know, we've all lost something that was like near and dear to our hearts, but then we have to realize you have to kind of get over the hump, heal yourself and then move on. And so then that's what I've done. But I think about it all the time when I was editing this podcast, when I was reading my notes in my notebook, you know, I, those feelings came back because when I was on the train, I wrote about it. I wrote about how good it was. And it actually was to me award winning. I promise you award winning. And that, that was like 20 minutes that I could never get back, but I have to then move forward and just create a different atmosphere, another podcast, and and make it just as good as the last one. So, um, like I said, as soon as we do part two, I will bring it to you. Take care. Thank you all for spending a little time with me on today's episode. And I promise that I'm going to work on bringing you more content with wonderful people that are doing great things. Um, Next up, we have movie critic Keith Sherman, and he's going to talk about Black Panther 2. That's coming out November the 11th. And of course, we're going to end the year for the third year in a row with music producer extraordinaire Shahid, a.k.a. Shalik Riabros. And I'm going to tell him who I think should do a collaboration as if I'm the pro. (laughs) If you have any questions or comments on this episode or my previous shows, please shoot me an email on designingculture at gmail.com or you can give me a call at 908-248-2457 and leave me a voicemail message or a text message. Peace.